In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Unless you look for it, it's easy to miss the beautiful Marian shrine over there, where many people stop and pray and light a candle. It's a special spot, a holy place. Thinking about that as I was writing this sermon brought to mind some thoughts I shared at a Wednesday Mass last May. Thoughts I'd also like to share with you this morning because they focus on how we relate to the saints and whether their examples have a message for us in the way we live our lives. There are two portrayals of Jesus and Mary in my office here at Christ Church. The first is a traditional statue where Mary is calm and serene, dressed in a spotless robe. She's holding her infant son who's perched comfortably in her arms. And when I look at that statue, I can almost hear the Schubert Ave Maria in the background preferably sung by sopranos for our wonderful choir. There's also a framed cartoon showing Jesus as a toddler, probably at the age known as the Terrible Twos, that time when a child has discovered a new word, the word no. In the cartoon, Jesus is in the bathroom arms crossed in defiance, standing on the water, on the bathtub, and Mary, looking harassed, points her finger down and says, in. <laughs> I suspect many of us, when we think of the great saints, imagine them not only to be holy people, but people who always had it all together, people who were so close to God that even in times of crisis, their faith somehow kept them on an emotional and spiritual even keel. We may not only envy them in that, but we may be quite aware that that's not the way our lives tend to go. What a wake-up call then to hear in today's reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome just how baffling and how frustrating he finds life to be. Paul describes his experience as being, while he knows what he should do, he doesn't do it. But what he knows he shouldn't do, he does. Life, real life, whether for the mother of Jesus or Paul or you or me, isn't always nice or easy, and certainly isn't a history of our always choosing to do the right thing. I doubt if there's anyone here in church this morning who doesn't see yourself as sharing exactly the same experience as Paul. His solution, his way of dealing with that reality is first, admitting what it is, and second, reaching out to God. When Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
He is saying that God's mercy and forgiveness are what make it possible for him to go on day after day. He's responding to Christ's invitation. Words you and I know so well and words we just heard in the gospel. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest which comes from having the weight of sin removed. The Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, Episcopal priest and wonderful writer, put it this way. It all comes down to two things. Believing that there is more mercy in God to forgive us our sins than there is sin in us. And a willingness on our part to do something about it. An important feature of our Sunday liturgy is the confession of our sins. The honest acknowledgement that like St. Paul, we have done those things which we know we should not have done, and we have failed to do what we should have done. If we really mean what we say, if we take the words of confession seriously, how wonderful, how freeing it is to hear the priest pronounce absolution, true forgiveness of our sins. I remember so vividly at my ordination to the priesthood so long ago, kneeling in front of the bishop as he laid his hands on my head and heard him say, whose sins you remit, they are remitted, and whose sins you retain, they are retained. For over 2,000 years, that ministry of forgiveness, that ministry of compassion, has been one way God reaches into the lives of all sorts of people, great saints and the rest of us as well. Whether absolution is given through the sacrament of confession or following the general confession at the Eucharist, it is real. It's a living out in our lives the joy, the relief St. Paul expressed, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some years ago, there was a cartoon featuring a very young girl who had trouble pronouncing her name, which was Elizabeth. So she referred to herself as Nizzy. She was determinedly independent Whenever help was offered with anything, whether making her bed or tying her shoes, her response was a definite, Nizzy do it herself. I'm wondering if at times you and I may fall into the trap of being Nizzy's. Do we think that we should or even can cope with life all on our own? Maybe in our heart of hearts, sometimes we even delight in being a Nizzi. One of God's many gifts is the very human need we have for connection with others. It may be with family or friends or even church. Not just if, but when you find yourself facing what St. Paul describes so bluntly 
Remember to ask God for help. Remember to ask other people for help. But also, remember to be of help. Worth thinking about? Even worth doing? Amen.